Welcome to the Newson Health Menopause Podcast. I'm Dr. Louise Newson, a GP and menopause specialist, and I run the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre here in Stratford-upon-Avon. So today I'm going to do another podcast about yoga. Some of you might have heard the one I've done a while ago with Lucy Holtham and today I've lured Claudia Brown into my clinic today. So hi Claudia, thanks for coming. Hi Louise, thank you for having me. No, it's great to see you. So we met probably just over a year ago in Manchester, didn't we? We did Um, at the yoga show in Manchester. Yoga show in Manchester. And some of you might know I trained in Manchester and in fact the app that we're developing is with a team in Manchester. So Manchester is very close to my heart so I Mm -hmm. came up to this yoga show feeling a bit scared because I'm clearly a doctor and not a yoga teacher although I do love yoga and you just brilliant so you came and we were chatting I stalked you you stalked me a bit (laughs) I did (laughs) and now you've actually come to this isn't the first time you've come to my clinic is it no you've come a few times and been working in my studio that we've got here we've got this lovely yoga studio and you've been helping some women not all the patients but people that have come so I think the work that you're doing is fantastic you're full of enthusiasm and I've for many of you know I've done yoga for nearly 17 years actually I've stopped obviously when I was pregnant and it's really good for me personally for my body and my mental and physical fitness as well and if I don't do it I certainly my mind starts to become less focused and it's really important my yoga teacher one of my yoga teachers James Critchlow is now in his I won't say how old he is but he's been doing yoga for decades shall we say and he is very inspirational and he's quite old style in that I do Ashtanga yoga and he's very experienced, very knowledgeable. But I have seen various yoga teachers that are just come on because it's quite trendy now. Oh, things change. And so as you know, that we have you, there's Lucy Holton, as Petra, who's doing some menopause and yoga workshops. And James obviously teaches me and I'm very particular about who comes in and uses my yoga studio. Yeah, but you're all different. So which is great. We're all different. So But talk me through how you've come to be even a yoga teacher. Yeah, well, I'm a bit of a cliche, really. I worked in local government for many years. Okay. I had a very traditional corporate management role, which I ended up finding quite stifling, quite stressful, Mm. didn't enjoy it. You know, it was a very good job. I worked with some lovely people. I'd always done yoga. I naturally am quite a lazy person. And yoga was really the only exercise I didn't hate. Yes. And so I'd always had this idea in my head about being a yoga teacher Mm. and decided that I was going to do my training but probably wouldn't teach. Mm. It was more just for my own knowledge, for my own practice. And just a bit of a challenge, really. So I did my training, still was working at the council at that point, at Staffordshire County Council. And a lot of my colleagues were saying, well, if you do a class, we'll come. We've always wanted mm. to do yoga. And so I thought, well, I'll maybe do that just as a bit of a hobby. Mm. And that was really how it all began. And I found that I really enjoyed it, that it was something that it was that magical if it doesn't feel like work you never work a day in your life yes and actually it was the first time Mm. you know in my sort of early 40s that I experienced that even though I quite enjoyed the jobs Mm. that I'd had so I did start to think more seriously about making this my career Mm. 
and went to do some more training. And that's something that's really important to me. It's about that continuous development. And it touches on what you said there about being very choosy about Mm -hmm. who you bring into the studio here at your centre, in that the 200-hour training you do, Mm -hmm. it is just the beginning. I remember... Anne-Marie Newland, who I train with, some power yoga, saying, this is just the start of your journey. And I remember thinking, that's ridiculous. I've learned so much. What on earth is she talking about? And I remember about three months in thinking, hmm, okay. You get it now. yeah. Right, I've got these people standing in front of me and I'm saying the same things and I'm delivering the same content. Mm. I need to step this up. How do I do that? Yes. So I actually decided that I would do some sport yoga training because I didn't really want to go into pregnancy yoga. Mm. I've never been pregnant by choice. Mm. I didn't want to do kids yoga. I love my nieces. Everybody else's kids, I can take or leave. So, you know, I just thought, yeah, I quite fancy that. I knew about this lady that had done all the yoga with Ryan Giggs at Man United, Mm. found her, you know, on the internet, and she was putting together her first ever training And that was how I then got into this amazing training course with Sarah, whose anatomy knowledge is just Mm. like she's done some sort of medical training. And that really was then the beginning of me having a career as a yoga teacher. I got some work at West Bromwich Albion Football Club. So I was working with elite athletes at the Mm. time they were in the Premier League. So I was putting into practice all this amazing content that I'd learned with Sarah then went in the opposite direction completely in terms of relaxation, yoga nidra with Uma, who Lucy is also yes. trained with. Yes. So you'll find that a lot of yoga teachers will have very similar backgrounds yes. that tend to come together. Mm. So Lucy and I have a lot of similarities. Mm. Met for the first time this morning in your waiting know, room. great, yeah. Um, but, you know, and so I always joke that I can teach from sweaty to snail pace. Yeah, which is really important. It is so Um, important. When I first went to a yoga class, and the only reason I went is because it fitted in with, I just had one child then and she was about six months old and I thought, I need to do a bit of exercise. And I don't like running, I don't like going to the gym, swimming. But you know you have to do it. But you know you have to do it. And laundry, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And and swimming I've always liked, but it's a bit of a faff having to dry your hair. Oh, you get wet. (laughs) Chlorine. But I went and and the, the teacher was very good, but he was very fast and it was, come on, come on, you know, a race through it and he was doing the same with everyone and I I then thought actually this is I like the feeling and I like the way that my heart was racing I was sweaty and I could see the uh, merits of it but I thought actually like you say he was doing the same for everyone and Mm. it just didn't feel right and as I've had various injuries and I've had various operations James Critchlow has modified my yoga practice yeah and you know, when you see... And that's where the skill and experience where the skill comes is, in. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think knowledge of anatomy is really important, like you Which say. Which you don't get on your 200 oh, hour. Yeah. Some get none. Yeah. I, I was lucky. We actually did quite a lot on mine. Still sort of yes. GCSE biology yeah. kind of level. And it's not enough. No. It really isn't. And I think, I mean, quote me if I'm wrong, but, you know, every day I do yoga, it feels different. And it depends where I am mentally, physically. Hormonally. Or hormonally. There's yeah. so much that changes. And what I want to do when I'm on my mat is to have a very special sacred time where all my thoughts of everything else have gone mm-hmm. and I'm doing something for me. But I want to feel good at the end. Yeah. I don't want to feel a failure at the end because mm-hmm. life's hard enough. There's lots Ooh. of times that I feel inadequate, but I don't want to on my yoga mat. And James, and I know you do, and Lucy have this magical way 
of making any practice feel a really special practice because you'll never get that time again and so I think that's it's a skill though Mm. it's really important isn't it my dad said to me when I first started teaching he says well I'm from West Cumbria well lass you're in the entertainment business you've got to give them a laugh Um, and they'll keep coming back and I thought yeah he's right because yeah you know people are investing their time so if they're choosing to give up an hour plus travel yeah, to, to get it's a, to you. it's a big commitment, isn't it? The, the least you can do yes. is learn their name, yeah. engage with them. Yes. You know, I mean, I always joke about, well, this week we'll be talking about Game of Thrones. Yes. So if you haven't seen it, and it's just making it for me, it's just making it an experience. Yes. And people will often say, oh, I'm not very good at yoga. Mm. Or, oh, I, I don't think I'm flexible enough. And it's like, listen, you've won when you come through the door. Yes. Because sometimes for some people, that's the really hard bit is to actually make the commitment or find the time to actually do anything. Absolutely. And so I think if they've actually managed to, to get to a class, yeah. then that's the hardest, the hardest else is, part, isn't it? Everything else is a bonus. Yeah, and I think and certainly for me, having a studio here is obviously a great privilege, but... A lot of women, myself included, don't really want to go to a gym where they're half your age, they've got the most beautiful figures, Ooh. and you feel inadequate as soon as you walk in the door. Yeah. Whereas here, you can either have small groups or one-to-one, and so those barriers are broken down mm. from the start, aren't they? I was really aware as a yoga teacher, so when I qualified, I was in my early 40s. Mm. I am very curvy, and have become curvier as you know the perimenopause appeared in my life. You know, I have huge natural boobs, which I can't do anything about. And I was very conscious that I was not this typical, typical, you know. I think that's what makes it great for you because there's nothing worse than looking at your instructor thinking, I'm never going to be able to be like that. And that is exactly what the feedback is that I've had. So many of my friends and people who come to my classes have said, well you know, but you look like me. Mm. And, you know, I joke that they love it when I make a mistake in class or if I fluff a pose when I'm demoing because it almost makes it okay for them to do that. And, you know, I'm really open with people that my relaxation time, you know, I schedule a nap. My go-to is Netflix on the sofa the crown is yeah. a current fave, you know, and actually the older I've got, the more important it is to rest and to yes. actually make time to top up the batteries. I think it's really important. Out. And I think the other thing is social media, obviously, as we spoke about before we started recording, is very powerful. It's very good yeah. for connections, but actually you're only seeing a tiny yeah. part of someone's life, you know. And it's all, there's so much pressure that we have these perfect lives. None of us do. We yeah. always have chaos where we, you know, we're running late, we're shouting at children's or our partners. We're getting a new fridge today, you should see my kitchen. Yeah, so but you're not <laughs> going to put that on your Instagram story or whatever. So it's really important that we look after ourselves as mm. well because, as you know, I've called this clinic a menopause and well-being centre. And I think as I've got older, I've realised that actually we have responsibility to look after ourselves. Ooh. We think our friends and family care, and of course they care, but they're not with us every second of no. the day like we are, and we have to and make the right choices. And you still varnish what they see. Yes, absolutely. So yes. Um, you can manage certain moods, yes. conditions. Of course, absolutely. Uh, and deep down, you're not really going to tell people how you yeah. feel. Um, and it's only that sort of very small group for me husband and few friends that know know exactly that actually 
there's yeah. maybe something else going yeah. on. You know, unless I do, and quite regularly will be teaching a class and have a hot flush. Yeah. And, you know, even for me, the first time that happened really was actually when I was running a session for Staffordshire Police who do a lot of amazing stuff around mm. uh, supporting the women that work for the service that are going through menopause. And they were having a session on relaxation, which I was going in to do because I run classes there as well. And the next speaker on was one of the occupational health ladies to talk about menopause, Susanna, who I know has been in contact with you. And yeah, sat there and just, you know, glowed and sweated and said, this, ladies, is what you're talking about next. And I can remember sitting there thinking, oh my word, this is starting to happen. Mm. You know, and I was 43, 44, because, you know, that magic number, 51. It's not real, is it? Oh my word. So, well, this is the thing, and as I'm sure many of you know, that 51 is the average age of the menopause Mm. in the UK. Average being the... None of us are average. (laughs) Um, And for many women, they experience perimenopausal symptoms. So a time when periods change in frequency or nature and symptoms start because hormone levels start to reduce. And it can be, and often it it is in the early 40s that it occurs, and we don't always expect or are prepared for it. So you went from footballers, and now you're doing some with... Middle-aged How does that go? Well, the facial hair is very similar. Um, It really came about through my own experiences, but also beginning to talk about that in my classes Mm -hmm. because I think having found you pretty much by mistake on the internet, Um, but, you know, trying to find out more, but also one of the teachers that I trained with, Uma Dinsmore-Tuli, who's written this amazing tome, called Yoni Shakti, which is very much about the feminine journey from, you know, birth to death. And that was the first sort of real information that I found that was really credible about perimenopause. Mm. It was something that I didn't even know was a thing. You know, and I think, you know, I like to think I've been well educated Mm. and reasonably healthy. Mm. But obviously, you know, I remember my mum's menopause quite vividly so I did know quite a bit about it she had twitchy legs and would have the sweats and the facial hair and lost hair and she was really lucky had a really good female GP who put her on HRT when it wasn't common there were six types Mm. that was it yeah and so you know and I actually said to my mum this weekend she came to stay and I said you know you're really lucky mum that you had a GP that was switched on Mm. and she said oh yeah it was Dr. Sumner, Dr. Helen Sumner, and that was, you know, she was my doctor as well, a fabulous lady. But um, yeah, so it's come from my own experience, really, of starting to talk about this in class. Mm. Predominantly females attend my classes, but actually men, you need to know about this if you've got a woman in your life. Absolutely. Be it your mother, your partner, your sister, your auntie, whatever. And actually, I think some of the men have found it really interesting to listen because they're, you know, living with this woman who all of a sudden is quite different. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, right, okay. Oh, it's not me then. Mm. So so that's another interesting dynamic. But, yeah, the more I've learned about it, the more I've shared with people in class and the more I have felt it's very important to talk about evidence-based treatments. Mm. So we've got the theories that don't die, HRT causes breast cancer. Mm. Well, to be honest, love, all that wine you're drinking and you're three stone overweight, that's going to be causing the breast cancer not taking HRT. You know, I didn't know about that. I didn't know about all these lifestyle um, indications for breast cancer because it's the old clickbait. 
Well, stuff, totally. Isn't it? You yeah, know, I mean, the, the newspapers have to sell, and yeah. the way of selling is by talking time and time again about this risk of HRT with breast yeah. cancer, and like you quite rightly say, lifestyle changes that usually occur during the menopause, such as weight gain, drinking more alcohol, doing less exercise, or increase a woman's risk yeah. of breast cancer more than taking HRT. So, so carry on. Yeah. So for me, it was just about evidence-based information, but also looking at. Just lifestyle in general, really, for me, that was the eye-opener. There isn't a quick fix here. There isn't a magic wand. HRT is amazing, but it's not the cure-all. It also is all that other stuff about your diet, your hydration. Yes. I mean, how many people don't drink enough water? Mm. I think I've spent most of my adult life dehydrated. Mm. You know, just general nutrition. Do you sleep enough? Yeah. Do you move? Yeah. This is what I say to people. If you don't want to do yoga, that's fine. Just get out for a walk. Yeah. You know, if you want to do circuit training, if you want to do CrossFit, if you, mm. you know, we can get caught up in this, oh, you have to do yoga. It's very important. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I think it's doing something that's good for you. And But there's lots of perceptions of yoga, aren't there? So when Ooh. I tell people that I do yoga, a lot of people say, yeah, but I want to do proper exercise. Yeah. Um, and I always say, please just give me 10 minutes. Yeah. And quite often, you know, I'll always have somebody will come in and say, oh, my husband was laughing at me because I'm doing yoga. Yeah. And I said, oh, just bring him once. Yes. And, you know, like I say, working with elite athletes, yeah. I mean, these men are at their peak in terms of being able to perform their job. Mm. And, oh, they sweat. Yes. And it's quite interesting when I've seen people who are very athletic, especially men, but people who have maybe been running or doing other sport for a long Mm. time and then do yoga. Externally, they're very strong, Mm. but their core strength is not so good, is it? And And it's not just that, it's the tightness and it's the range of motion because Mm. they have ramped. So, example, running is an excellent example because the running, you're pounding along, but you're compressing into the lumbar spine. All those muscles Mm. are tightening in the hips and the legs and the lower back. And it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter. And then all of a sudden they've got back problems and they've got knee problems and they've got hip problems and they can't put their shoes on and they've driven for half an hour and get out of the car and have to... Very stiff. Yeah. Yeah, And again, so it's this lifestyle mm. stuff and it's don't underestimate the power of a gentle stretch. Yes. For 10 minutes a few times a week, Mm. it makes all the difference. And And there's different types of yoga, but there's different ways you can practice. And I was away with my daughter last weekend and I took my travel mat and while she was slowly getting up, I just went through some salutations and did some standing postures and it doesn't take very long and we're all busy and everyone says, oh, I haven't got time to exercise. And I sort of think, well... You have to make that I'm very fortunate. As you know, I've done yoga this morning, had a quick shower and I'm working now. Yeah. So I'm very privileged. But I also do it at the weekend and I yeah. give myself time because I look at how much time I spend on my phone when it tells you oh. a daily report. Yeah. And so I think actually it's finding exercise that physically and mentally mm. works because there's lots of evidence, isn't there, that if you exercise, it helps with our serotonin and our happy hormone. And yeah, I always say yoga, it's like exercise plus. Yes. So any exercise gets the endorphins going, mm. gets the blood pumping, yes. 
you know, there is that cheesy saying, you know, you never feel bad after a workout. And it's true. Yeah, absolutely. But then with yoga, you are also getting the breath work, you're getting the meditation benefits as well, which again can get a really bad rap. Yes. And for me, just even the last few years, the breathing exercises and the meditation mm. has become so important. I think people get very caught up on yoga being about the postures. Yes. And actually, there is so much That's more. part of it. And, it? you know, I was joking, yoga's magic. But actually, it is because, yeah. you know, the number of people that have come to me, either to my classes or privately, for physical reasons... Mm. But then we'll say after six, 12 months, the mental benefits that they would never have dreamt of. And, you know, so meditation, it's a very personal thing Mm -hmm. down to... Lots of people are very scared, aren't they? Yeah. And I think, again, the media has its role here in that all of a sudden people will go, oh, meditation, Mm -hmm. and sit cross-legged and go, oh, and it's, well, that is a tiny part. Mm -hmm. Actually, oh, I can't stop my mind. Well, no, it's about turning the volume down. It's about quietening what's going on. It's not about stopping the mind, which actually is impossible. But, you know, I say try so much good stuff out there that's free. So many good apps Mm -hmm. and things online. So I would say it's a very personal thing. Even an accent will be the difference of it being effective or not. Yeah, absolutely. And I know one of the first um, sessions you had here looking at your lovely feedback, which was phenomenal, but a few people commented about the meditation side and yeah. said, gosh, you've taught it so well. And but It's and just demystifying it, it for people. It is, because I think it is scary. And sometimes, actually, even some of the apps, if you don't know what you're doing, it can mm. be quite scary because you worry that you're not doing it right And then you're forgetting the actual process of what you're doing. And so certainly it's a very personal thing, I think, meditation. It is. And sometimes I find it's easier than others days, depending on what's going on in my life. But actually, if you can, and certainly at the end of a yoga practice often is the time, isn't it, Mm. where meditation's done, you can pull on those feelings at other times when Mm. sometimes my life gets a bit out of control because I'm so busy and I just breathe and close my mind and stop yes still it doesn't take long and then I can cope with the next task because otherwise it's just too much my head explodes it's like anything the more you practice the better Mm. it gets yes and you know the brain is like you know it's a muscle you've got to work Mm. it you've got to practice and you know for me I struggled with it terribly for years I always felt that I was the yoga teacher that didn't meditate that I was a bit of a fake because I didn't have my own practice in terms of meditation. And actually, I spent some time at Oxford University studying mindfulness because a few right. years ago, yeah. that was that the was big, big thing. thing. Yeah. And I didn't know enough about it. So I thought, well, you go to the right place. Mm. So I did summer school. The irony is not lost on me that I went to Oxford <laughs> University. And um, I had an amazing time and found out all sorts of amazing things which was that I didn't want to be a mindfulness teacher because it's set very much in a mental health medical model. Mm. And I think that's much better placed within some sort of counselling environment or with somebody who is a mental health professional, Mm. whereas I am very much around well-being. Mm. And there is that difference. You know, the traditional mindfulness model is based in CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy and I just thought, yeah, that that is not for me. However, what I did take away from it was there was a lot of practical, right, we're just going to stop for three minutes at the start of this next session and we're going to... So over that course of a week, because of the repetition, I really got the hang of it. And it was these little short, sharp bites. 
And so now I can happily meditate for half an hour, whereas maybe two years ago, I would have struggled for two minutes and I would be twitching and I'd be thinking about my shopping list Mm. and I needed to put the laundry in and we'd run out of milk and when was this going to finish? And and so now it is such a gift to me. Mm. And any sort of app or anything that you listen to, the key pointers are always the same and it's to stop. It's to be still. Mm. It's just to tune into the breath Mm. and then anything else is what flows, what follows. And it's like anything else, the more you do it, the better it becomes. And so, you know, and it's the same kind of thing with the breathing exercises. A lot of people as adults develop this very shallow breathing Mm. pattern. Whereas if you look at babies, if you look at animals when they're asleep and breathing, Mm. deep abdominal breathing. Yes. Yeah, using all the correct breathing muscles, using the diaphragm, Mm. using the intercostal muscles. Whereas most of us... We're breathing using these secondary top muscles, mm. you know, around the top of the chest and neck. And henceforth, we all have headaches yes. and migraines. And, and yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I'm guilty of it myself. Mm. And then it's, oh, it all makes sense. Yeah. And then you have this link into, you know, these stressful lives that we all lead. Stress is more dangerous than... HRT. Oh, absolutely. I mean, stress is just this epidemic. It is. And it is something that obviously, as a medical student, I was never taught about stress, but stress can lead to so many conditions. It's horrendous. um, And I think you're very totally right when you say HRT isn't the only treatment for the menopause. And as a lot of you know who are listening, I prescribe a lot of HRT because for most women, the benefits outweigh the risks. But there's no point having HRT smoking 20 a day, going to McDonald's and doing no exercise. Mm. And then a, bottle, a couple of bottles of wine at night. Precisely. So For some it, people, that is normal. Absolutely. So we need yeah. to... The word menopause I don't really like. I mm. think it's better to think about a long-term hormone deficiency. But we should be thinking if it is midlife in our 40s, some women it's earlier, then how are we going to live the rest of our lives to prevent disease, to... Mm reduce stress like you say and it's finding something that's right and I think for those people that maybe have been a bit scared of yoga to demystify it in the way that you do and to make it very individualized and personalized is is really important isn't it yeah absolutely because if you if I have to sweat no if I at least want to have fun yeah well absolutely (laughs) if you said to me that I had to go for a 5k run twice a week I would just do anything to avoid it. Whereas actually doing yoga is something that you can fit in. Those women that prefer to run, that's fine. I think any exercise is good for our mental health, our physical health, our bone health, our cardiovascular Mm. health. And during the menopause, we have this increased risk of heart disease, osteoporosis, Mm. diabetes, like you say, body shape can change. So looking at anything that's going to improve and reduce risk is... I, I, I talk about this golden triangle. So we've got general well-being at whatever age you're at we have got menopause yes we've then got the aging process Mm. which often the menopause and the aging process are so intrinsically linked together and then in the middle of that triangle we've got yoga because it's actually it's almost like a quick win yeah and it it. touches all of those things and so for me again naturally lazy if I can do something that will help my well-being mm. that will help my menopausal symptoms and that will help me have a healthier older age 
and it's at the grand age of 47, yeah. Yeah. then I will take that quick yeah. win. Yeah. And to me, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. But I think there is also that element of you've got to do the work. Yes, absolutely. There isn't a back door here. No, and there's no quick and fix because it takes yeah. time. If there was, um, I'd have found it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, so I just say to people, you know, and if you don't want to do yoga, Tai Chi, Pilates... Mm. There are so many sort of gentle exercise classes. And I mean, you have talked at length about you have an Ashtanga practice, which, you know, I always joke that I've grown out of that now because it's too hard. (laughs) And I know that a lot of my clients couldn't do a sun salute because they're managing certain, you know, Mm. conditions, illnesses. But it is just one strand of so many And Lucy and I just chatted about this in terms of that variety. And it's great to know other yoga Mm. teachers because you can signpost. Well, actually, if I'm not your cup of tea, and I get that I'm not everybody's, you know, other people, then actually I can recommend you Mm. to various other teachers locally that do different things. And that's fine. Which is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. No, gosh, that's brilliant. So we could talk for hours because there's so much to talk and think about. So. Thank you so much for coming. But before we end, mm-hmm. could you just give three take-home tips for women who maybe are experiencing some menopausal symptoms, thinking about their longer-term wellness and wanting to dabble with yoga? What three tips would you give them? I think that it would be just just do it, to quote Nike. I mean, don't be afraid. Mm. Ask around, who can recommend me a good yoga teacher? So just have a go. Try different classes. So they might put, oh, I tried it once. It was terrible. Try another one if the first one you don't... I mean, we've all been to a crap hairdresser, haven't we? Mm -hmm. So you just go and try another. So just do it. I think, secondly, don't get caught up on having to buy the right outfit. Mm -hmm. You've got to have your own equipment. No. You can literally wear whatever you please. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. And the third thing would be to not talk yourself out of it because of your size yeah so I have had a lot of women who have said I'm just too big and I'm too embarrassed and I won't be able to do it and it just is not relevant Mm -hmm. in terms of how your body moves and your flexibility and your strength Mm -hmm. so just again you know you will be among friends people are not looking at you Mm -hmm. So, oh, well, what if I do it wrong? People are doing their own thing. Just get on with it. Yeah. yeah. So basically no excuse to give it a go. Well, absolutely. Thinking and about it then. Yeah, go. absolutely. Um, so brilliant. Thank yeah. you ever so much. And we will put links yeah. thank you. to um, Claudia's details in the podcast notes. So thank you ever so much for coming. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else you do here in my yes. clinic. Thank oh, you. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> For more information about the menopause, please visit our website www.menopausedoctor.co.uk.